On this episode of Infinity Sports, we're going to be talking about uh, a blowout high school girls basketball game. We're going to be talking about the Lakers trade targets. It was girls. Yeah, <laughs> We're going to be talking about the uh, Lakers trade targets, some NFL moves, and Nick uh, reviews a Garth Brooks song because I recommended it to him. I can't wait to hear that. But we're going to lead things off with some golf right after this eight-minute break. Eight minutes. Eight, eight minutes. After this eight-second break, <laughs> we're going to be right back. This show is shocking. <laughs> Welcome to Infinity Sports. I'm Wayne G. I'm joined, as always, by Sully. What's going on? It's the Sullinator. I say I love the shades. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real, for real. I was hoping you came out with the eye patch, but I'll accept the shades. I know. I was eye patches for work because I can't use the shades. So I was like, you know what? I can either go pirate or I can go like Terminator. And I was like, you know what? Let's let's keep it fun today. And you can't go wrong either way. So. Exactly. Either way, yeah, it's a win. So. Yeah. I have a, I have a, I have a sty in my eye, folks. For those of you that care, because I'm sure you don't. But and of course, I'm jo- we're joined by Nick P, aka Nick Kellerman, aka Nick Bayless. <laughs> <laughs> I like Nick Bayless. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. It's such a, it's such an insult though, because like I feel like my takes are way hotter than their takes. Oh, I mean, okay. they they run on the same like crazy spectrum though, so I'm cool with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> all right, all right. So you're just the game with those guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At least it's not Stephen A. Smith, you know. I nobody's that bad. <laughs> so the topic that we wanted to start off with, I had actually seen that the PGA Tour, the golfers on tour, all wore red on Sunday for Tiger, and I thought, wow, that's a great story and it made me feel good but i'm gonna skip that one for right now because i want to get into the fact that nick said golf is not a sport and tiger <laughs> woods is not an athlete so nick, you at the floor <laughs> yeah well i was surprised i was surprised that you brought this up because when you said oh you know we should talk about uh the pga tour wearing red for tiger and i said well i thought it was a sport show i think that was my reaction initially um yeah so look i've never looked at golf as a sport right like i think it's a skill i mean i play golf i enjoy it um, I you just, what? I you play what? it, right? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I play it. I enjoy it. But, um, I don't look at it as something like, I don't know. I feel like if a guy like John Daly can get out there and be a professional golfer, like I have a hard time correlating that to an athletic sort of endeavor, if that makes sense. I mean, not every, NFL, like there's a bunch of kickers who we even call athletic. Does that mean football is not a sport? No, because I don't think that you could I, – I, I see – that's where I disagree, right? Because I do think kicking – I do think kickers have a sense of – skill. Kind of. I mean, but they are athletes. Like, a, 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 lot of kick, a lot of kickers come from, like, backgrounds of, like – I mean, you look at them and they have, like, soccer backgrounds or they have, like, backgrounds playing, like, being, like, athletes in other areas. Or who's the guy for the, the New York Giants, right? Uh, he, now he's in all fitness magazines. You know the punter. I, I mean, I, I know there are that. there are athletic punters, but that's when I, I mean there are athletic golfers. Is also my point. Like you're well, not yeah, going to yeah, yeah, yeah. well, not an athlete, something like that. Well, right, and I'm gonna t- so here's the thing. Like I think you can be an athlete. Like Michael Jordan was an athlete who played golf, but I don't think golf is like I don't look at golf as like a pinnacle for athleticism or like a sport that requires athleticism. No, but I don't think athleticism is the only thing that defines something as a sport. And you just called it a sport. Well, I didn't. Well, I I called it for the sake of the show. I don't believe it's a sport. I think golf's a hobby, you know, like like collecting cards, for example. Anybody could do it. I decided to look up what Merriam-Webster says a sport is. It says (laughs) a contest or game in which people do certain physical activities according to a specific set of rules and compete against each other. So by the definition, it is a sport. Can you repeat that? Did it say physical? It, it said, didn't say physical. It physical did say, it says doing certain physical activities. No, but I just wanted to to clarify because I didn't want like like I know like this esports thing is like a big thing now, and I'm never gonna say gaming's a sport or anything like that. Mm. So so like 
like so i wanted to like kind of clarify like what actually defines like physical so i'm glad they said physical because golf does involve physical i do agree Mm -hmm. i don't think anybody's gonna sit here and say golf is the best athletes or anybody's out here's you know running a four two and and also (laughs) golfing you know but but at the same time i think the main like point that irked me was like for one, calling Tiger a non-athlete, I think he like revolutionized the game with his athleticism. I think that's what set him apart, is that he was mm. an athlete. He could go out there and rip the tits out the ball while also having this skill that was like so finesse. Yeah, and, but I mean, John Daly could go out there and rip the tits off a ball while he ripped yeah, but butt. Not same and thing Tiger could. Like, wouldn't and I will say this because John Daly, I think, is an underrated golfer actually because John Daly not only could he. Not only could he hit the ball a mile, he had some of the softest touch around the greens. He was such a good Oh, golfer. yeah, yeah. He's my but, favorite golfer of all time, John Daly. Well, that's why you drink John Daly. <laughs> right. But I will say this. Tiger Woods' workout regime and what he did to his body revolutionized the entire sport forever. I mean, it, like you said, Nick, we think of Happy Gilmore saying, hey, you should talk to my neighbor, the accountant, right? Huge yeah, ass. Yeah, yeah. great golfer. yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was the idea of the golfer back probably 1995, right before Tiger hit. And as soon yeah. as Tiger started hitting the weight room and he was on the cover of Men's Fitness, it was all about you know guys like Dustin Johnson. Phil Mickelson, who I used to call man boobs, like slimmed down about 100 pounds. Like everybody got skinny and got in shape because that's the only way you can win. You can't, you can't win in golf anymore unless you're an athlete. I know John Daly's on a senior tour, so it's easy to beat 80-year-olds when you're hitting it. Unless they're your grandfather. You could probably couldn't yeah, beat yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> John Daly couldn't beat my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> but go, but uh, I I no I I get what you're saying like he made it popular to be fit and play golf but mm. I don't think that that turns golf automatically into some like athletic endeavor or physical activity you drive a cart around well not, not in pro golf not in pro golf you have to oh walk. you got a guy carrying your back I mean but still you, you do have to walk it's a lot of miles. Oh, my, you have to walk. <laughs> I, my, listen, my Nana walks around the mall every morning, okay? So here's here's the thing. It's like, what's the difference? I carry my wife's luggage through the airport. What's the difference? Um, You're not hitting a ball <laughs> well, 300 just, yards. And then, I mean, and again, nobody's sitting here arguing that golf is like an athletic necessary sport. Yeah. I'm just saying that what Tiger did and the athleticism he brought to the game – Change the way the game is now people train and people go about the game. They get more athletic, more limber, more nimble, more things like that because it clearly helps. It clearly helps to be bigger, stronger at golf. So, I, I mean, that's part of athleticism. And I, I don't know. I think that's that's knocking it to say that he that there aren't athletes in golf and there and that he wasn't. Well, I'm not saying that they're not athletes either, but here you go. My two favorite golfers right now, active, you're probably not either one of you, are not going to know who they are, but it's Shane Lowry and it's Tyrell Hatton. Those two guys, Tyrell Hatton, I love because he's a Liverpool supporter. It's the only reason I like him. Not in good shape, not an athlete. Shane Lowry is an overweight Irishman. And neither so, of us know who they are because they've never won anything. Well, that's not true. They have won, but they're not they're not winning masters and things like that, but they're competing. Well, Bryson DeChambeau's out here looking like a fucking stud, <laughs> ripping the ball four hundred yards down the field as he's all over Sports Center, how jacked he is in his and his training routine. Again, changing the game. Like, I don't know. I just think like like that statement almost proved my point. Like, yes, there are non athletic golfers in the sport. I'm never gonna Major- majority. Okay, I'll even agree with you there. Majority. Yes. I do think that's swaying to the other side, though. And I want Wayne to get his point in because I know he agrees with me. (laughs) (laughs) I think that it's very rare to see the guys at the top of the leaderboard that aren't completely fit and completely in shape. And I think there are exceptions to the rule, like in anything, right? You've got guys like Patrick Reed, who I call Fatty Reed, right? (laughs) Patrick Reed is fat, but he's a good golfer, so he's hovers around the top of the leaderboard, but he's the anomaly. And to me, it reminds me of quarterbacks in football, right? We'd all agree quarterbacks are athletes, but you look at Ben, big Ben. I mean, he's not Tom Brady. He's not, you know, Aaron Rodgers. He's not guys who are fit and slim. Yeah. I don't think Tom Brady is a guy who you would want to want to love. He's not going to win a hundred, but he's fit. I mean, he looks way more fit than big Ben does. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that that I think more is just to the fact that Big Ben eats cheesesteaks and cheeseburgers and Tom Brady's a, a you know, strict diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, again, 
I don't think I'd call Tom Brady an athlete. Like in like the a, like a high end athlete, I think again more of what he has is is like very skill based. Um, but I mean, I don't think anybody's going to say that the NFL is an athletic sport. So I mean, he's got to have some athletic bones in his body. But again, my whole issue with the statement was Tiger is not an athlete. I agree, golf is borderline a sport. Golf is like calling like darts a sport, I guess, or or pool a sport or something like that. Um, but at the same time, Tiger, I think, is what? Bowling. Bowling. Cornhole. All, I agree. All those things that are very skill-based and don't require jumping high and running fast and things like that. Right, right. But I think, again, I think Tiger and is the first kind of athlete to play golf and has now changed, I think, the way you kind of have to treat your body if you want to win. And I think that a sport is anything competitive. So I do think that cornhole is a sport. I do think darts is a sport. I think so that gaming is a sport. I can I will I never. Do. I think I think gaming is a sport. I yeah, think I game that, my ass off, but I'll yeah, never. Do uh, chess is a sport, right? If there, if you keep score and there's a winner and loser, it's a sport. Now, to that effect, not everybody that plays a sport is an athlete. So that's kind of where I think Nick's going, right? But no, they're I, all they're all sports because they're all competitive. But Tiger Woods is definitely an athlete. I think that that's yeah. uh, a huge slap. Yeah. Saying like, ah, oh, Tiger Woods, and we were like, you know, the guy benches like three seventy. He runs a four six eight forty. And and by the way, folks, benching well, three seventy. I agree with Nick. Doesn't make you an athlete, but but, to- yeah. but the totality of everything that he does, like I mean, you see a guy and you're like, yo, he benches, you know, three seventy. Fucking, and we don't know what he squats, but I'm assuming he squatted yeah, yeah. him out and did all these things. And he's also out there ripping the tits off the ball. And like, you can tell when you look at that guy that he's an athlete, man. I don't know. I mean, maybe for a period of time but i don't look at him as like being more fit or this super fit guy on a golf course like i think rory mcelroy would personify that more than tiger i mean maybe at a point in time but like i don't know i look at rory as probably the the one guy who stands out because of how fit he is not tiger well but you look at rory when he first started rory now he's put on 25 pounds of muscle because you have to to win i don't think it's because you have to to win i think it's because uh with rory's fame you know, he hits the gym as a young man. You know, I just, you know yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Rory decided one New Year's Day that he's going to sign up for Planet Fitness and get in shape. I think oh, it's, no, he probably has a trainer. I would hope <laughs> but he, yeah, he has a regimen that's designed to help him win, and you have to have a certain amount of flexibility. You have to have a certain amount of strength. Yeah. So it's not just going to the gym and getting fit to look good and for the balance and, and all these things that like are underestimated things of being an athlete, which I think personally, I think balance is is the most important thing you need if you're going to be an athlete um but I, 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 all those things in, encompassed I, I think you're just ignoring yeah he may not run fast or jump high i don't know truthfully i don't know we had an argument that i think tiger yeah. could beat nick in a 40-yard dash or whatever nick was faster yeah. or, or tiger yeah. is faster than nick i'll still stay behind that that comment he may not be i don't know <laughs> i mean if, are you five five like 160 I put the average soccer player size. Is what I <laughs> <laughs> I'm like 5'8", 160. Okay, you may be faster, but I don't know. I, I, again, I'll never say Tiger's not an athlete. So, Well, it's like this. If Bo Jackson, I think, is the greatest athlete of all time. And if Bo Jackson shows – if he chose not to play baseball and football, but chose to play golf, would you? But had all the same physical attributes. Would you look at him and be like, "That guy's not an athlete"? No, of course he's yeah, one of the greatest I, athletes. No, of I wouldn't look. I wouldn't look at him as not being an athlete. I look at him as an idiot. Why would you have all those? <laughs> but what if no, he could like play football and, and baseball though? That's the thing because we don't know about Tiger. With Bo, we know he's an elite athlete. He does all these things. I think yeah. like that's the X factor. Like Nick, that that he does kind of hold above us is we just don't know. Like if Tiger, like if we've also never seen him out there shooting jumpers or anything right. like that. Like, right. so I mean, Tiger could go on a basketball court and get schooled by Obama. And to your point about the gym and like regiments and stuff like that, like you know, I was part of an exclusive gym for years when I lived back in New Hampshire, and it was a very expensive fitness center. And I saw you know 60, 70 year old men all the time that were going in there that had design programs for their golf game. So it's like you know those guys weren't athletes. Those aren't the same as a twenty five year old's program, though. You know that, Nick. Yeah, not the same as professionals either. I mean, yeah, like. Well, I don't know. I don't know that they were professionals. It was a very exclusive club. (laughs) I don't know. Um. So from one ridiculousness (laughs) to a different. 
A different sport, we have basketball, and this story came out that uh, Arroyo Valley High School girls basketball team, their head coach, Michael Anderson, was suspended for two games after his team beat Bloomington High School 161-2. to And, you know, I don't understand this. I understand why he got suspended. I, I, if you follow us on social media, please do, because we post this kind of stuff all the time, and this turned into a huge debate when we posted about this. Well, for I, you, it turned into a huge yeah. debate for, for you. you. Yeah, because <laughs> I... 100% agree with the suspension. I think that he's not Why being was he suspended. He's Why not being suspended for the score. Right. He's not being suspended for the score. He's okay. being for, suspended for how he coached that game, which is a full court press for the first half until it was 104 to 1, and then putting his bench in, you know, in the second half when. I think that the responsible thing to do, because remember, this is high school sports. High school sports don't matter to anybody. Do you understand? High school sports are an extracurricular activity like the math team. I just and, well, you can all you want. But anyways, the point is, as a high school basketball coach, you are a teacher of young people. You're teaching the them life lessons. You're building their character. What are you teaching kids by putting the pedal to the metal and running up the score on a team that you're way better than? You know, I, I, I have no problem with them doing a full court press to start the game if that's how they start every game. And you don't want them to kind of get rusty. But like once you got what a 40 point lead a 60 point lead you'll take your foot off the pedal man why and and here's the other thing football our, our high school sports matter to everyone they're on national television now for gosh sakes they also are the stepping stone for kids to start their careers they're not just extracurricular activities some of these kids this is their life so i think that's a joke statement um also that's his job his job is to win basketball games and regardless of what you think or not, to teach young men, they get paid to win. And if they don't win games, they're usually replaced as a coach. So I, I don't know. I, the, the, also, most high school sports have like a score limit after a second half, after a half. I know soccer does, especially down here in Florida. If you're up uh, by eight goals after the second half or after the first half, the game ends. So the whole first half, we will blast you. We've won games 13 nothing before because – that's just the rule. I mean, you, we can score as many goals as we can in the first half. There's there's nothing they can do about it. I, I don't know. I know this isn't the case here, but, like, that happens with a lot of high school sports. This is a joke. The guy's doing his job. Uh, I don't agree with the suspension at all. Uh, if anything, I, I mean, it's just – I think it's just bringing light to a terrible situation where, like – People we're worried. We're more worried about other people's feelings than we are about like the actual context, which is just win the game. Plus, it's uh, it's women's sports, so really, who gives yeah. a shit? <laughs> well, it's women's it's women's history month, a. Eh? So this is good. So nothing. I won't even get into that. <laughs> so it's good that we're bringing. So it's good we're bringing that up. But my um. My thing on it is like, because uh, Wayne, I didn't read through the whole, all the dialogue that you had in this in, in these back and forth on this post in particular. Well, one of the things that did stand out was, you know, you were kind of pointing towards like, well, what was the reason to run the the full court press? But if that's the system, if that's the style of the coach in this situation to run that full court press for the majority of a game, then at that point it becomes a conditioning exercise for the team, would it not? Like. Look, you. It might not be applicable in this game in this instance, but we're still going to play like this because it might be applicable down the road. Do you see what I'm saying? So but it's just, still conditioning the team to an extent, I guess. And, and that's why I was saying that if you want to run the full court press to start the game, that's fine. My the way I would have handled it because obviously I, I this team was way outmatched and they were going to win by a lot, regardless of how the strategy played out. And what conferences? What conference do you have a, a high school team playing another team that, that can score Yeah, there's definitely a schedule like issue. A private school kind of mm, issue thing, yeah. where it's just like a, a big. Obviously, expensive private school, and then a tiny, probably Christian private. School. I don't think. Well, there's definitely a scheduling like, issue at hand because this team that won, uh, they've won three games this season by seventy or more. So it, their team is blowing out teams in this conference. They should probably be in another conference, and and I'll right. definitely put some of the responsibility on the schedule maker. But I'm looking at it again. High school sports to me is an extracurricular activity. I don't. If kids want to make it their career, go to a prep school. Don't play a public school, and. A public school. This is an extra, a public school. This is these are two public schools, okay. and so this is a school where you're going after school. You're like, hey, I need something to do after school. I'm gonna go play basketball. I'm gonna that's do whatever. Not, that's not what these kids are thinking, though. Like, like, what do you mean? Was that is that what you were thinking when you were playing a sport? That's not what ninety percent of these kids are thinking. I wasn't 90%. thinking about going to college. 
why? <laughs> that's, because- all, that's the only thing these kids are thinking about at this in this day and age is I have to be good enough to get somewhere to college. And but, a lot but of kids- D three schools, D two schools will take it, especially a female at this point. Like, like but I- kids aside, kids aside, I don't think to, Wayne. To your point, I don't think it's necessarily about the kids. I think, and I don't think it's about the coach. At least in my public school district, we had an AD. We had an athletic director, and if we were blowing teams out in a sport, in a conference, we moved up a division until you move up to a division. And there were schools, smaller schools, that sucked at everything but had a good soccer team. So they were in the highest class for soccer. Like, why is the AD not – yeah, why is the AD not culpable? I have to imagine, Sully, because you said you had the same thing in Florida. So why why would the AD – why would that not be the thing? To do, if anything, I'd be questioning the AD. Like, why are our are, are, are teams' average wins by seventy? Like, let's move up. Why is there no pressure? Now, are, also, are the, the teams the average win by seventy? Maybe they're kind of setting a statement with this. Like, hey, look, stop winning by seventy. Like, like, stop doing yeah. that. Maybe yeah. that. Well, and I don't, I'm not even saying that. I'm not yeah, saying. Like, what's the difference between winning 160 to one and winning? 90 to one like little what's the difference like truly there's no difference to me at that point especially if half the game's the second the bench i'm saying as a basketball one in basketball (laughs) with a free throw uh so (laughs) well i mean i know how to do it but i'm just like how is that even a thing so i look at it this way from the standpoint of being a competitive basketball player and seeing mismatches and here's the thing i played basketball in high school and we had players who were really, really good. I mean, like six, eight and could, you know, dunk from outside the key, just like really, really good players. Right. If they're being guarded by a guy, whether it's pickup or in a game, right. If they're being guarded by a guy, that's five, eight. All right. They're not going to dunk it on the guy every single time they get the ball because they're like, this just, especially once it's 40 to nothing, they're going to be kicking it out to the teammates. Like, Hey man, knock down a three or something, man. I'm not going to well, keep listen, dunking on this listen, kid. Wait, you don't know wait, that wait, wait, they were doing. Maybe yeah, they were listen, kicking it out, draining threes. This is women's <sighs> basketball. Nobody was dunking. So hey, no, no, we don't say. first of all, you use the five, eight reference. So I feel personally attacked. And, <laughs> I'll, I'll say, and I'll say that if one of your guys from your team were like continuously trying to dunk on me, you better believe that I am fouling them at some point to set up. Cause at some point your pride, but that's the wrong thing to teach play. kids. Like, Hey, but hurt this guy, hurt teach, this guy, man. You're not teaching them to hurt him. You're not even trying to hurt him. But, right. Well, if it's a regular foul, but the way it sounded was kind of like I'm gonna teach him about. Yeah, but even a, even a hard foul, you're not actually trying to like injure somebody yeah, or hurt. Yeah, yeah. You're just trying to say, "Yo, pump the brakes, homie." Like, yeah. which which again, like again, a lot of it falls onto the other team. I'm I'm gonna blame a lot of this other on the other team. You don't want to get beat. Don't get beat. Like, I, and I get it. You're you're not always gonna be as good as the other person. I've been beat. I've been beat by a lot. You know what I mean? Like I've been crushed, and it sucks. It's the worst feeling ever. But again, it's not like like I don't know. Like I, I think this has a lot to do with just the culture of what's going on and, now, and I'm, everybody getting trophies and like it, no, because I think when you use when you use football as an example, right? We talk about it, and we have talked about it in the show about running up the score in football because it happens in college every year, right? Some team yeah. it's a little bit different because they use the scoring system to determine what place you're in, so you kind of have to factor that in. But I'm saying it's a lot different too when you have Alabama versus another college than when you have two high school teams. If you're playing against a high school team that shouldn't be in that division because of the AD, to use Nick's point, he, they shouldn't be in that division, and their quarterback is six six and has a cannon for an arm, and their three wide receivers are six four and can have forty inch verticals, and you're playing against a regular old high school team. Like, what are you proving in the fourth quarter throwing for seven hundred yards? Like, what are you proving? See, but they weren't because that quarterback was out of the game because he came out to the halftime like this coach did. And here's the other thing is a lot of those games like that you see that are like that, they are trying to hand the ball off, but then they're handing the ball off and the running right. back scores for 60 yards. That's well, not I'm talking ball. about the coach, the coach saying, we're not handing it off. We're throwing bombs, man. Oh, well, I mean, at that point, yeah, I mean, I guess, but we don't know if they're throwing bombs. Like I, again, if it was 104 to one in the first yeah, half, but, but that's, uh, they could be just literally just maybe this, we don't, we, we have never seen they a highlight. full court press for the whole first half. But again, all right, all right, that's all right, their all right. style can and we, that's how can, they play basketball. You're not just going to stop playing basketball, how you tell your team to play basketball. All right, can we move off of high school women's basketball and move into something else? This has been like, I mean, you know, it's good. I mean, I guess it's good, but like the AD is responsible. The AD is responsible. The coach is taking away too much. The AD is responsible. We'd all agree on that. Yes. And I applaud the AD for suspending the coach because he should have coached a lot differently. <laughs> well, he should have suspended himself. <laughs> oh, He's probably yeah, he more than anybody yeah. said. 
sticking with basketball, and Nick may say continuing with women's basketball, let's talk about the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Los Angeles Perfect. Lakers, as we're getting closer to the trade deadline, there's some names coming up about who they could trade for, and it's the usual suspects, right? we got Drummond because he's going to every team now, and we've got you know Hassan Whiteside could be going to any team. The one that surprised me, I think I don't know if Nick is the one that brought it up, is DeMar DeRozan, possibly, yep. and I thought, wow, like, why would the Spurs move on from him? And I don't know. I want to get Nick's takes. I know Nick doesn't like the idea of LeBron loading up with like four or five more, you know, star players, right? Yeah, well, no, it's not that I don't like it. It's just an, it's inevitable, right? It's like, you know, water's wet. LeBron's going to try to grab as many superstars as he can for one team. Um, I, th- so this this was actually like a tweet that came out. I was actually looking for some information related to fantasy a fantasy basketball player, uh, Keldon Johnson. Yeah. And DeMar DeRozan – uh, came up because the Spurs apparently have put both he and Aldridge on the block, probably doing a full rebuild. I mean, it makes sense. They have some decent pieces in San Antonio right now and obviously best coach in basketball. Um, and it, it said that the Lakers, like, were planning on making significant roster moves and DeRozan is a guy that, like, LeBron loves, right? That that was, like, one of the, the, the tweet that I read. And there was, like, an article attached to it. I don't know, that kind of thing. And I thought, yeah, perfect. I could see it right now. I could see LeBron offloading a guy like Kuzma. Uh, over to San Antonio, maybe package him with like a first or second round pick. And then all of a sudden you got DeRozan in Los Angeles. It just goes to that whole, like, I had this conversation with somebody today. It goes to that whole, like LeBron disarming thing and, and why the league I think suffers from it. And it's like, LeBron's the type of guy who leaves a warm up at the beginning, you know, while team, while, while his team's warming up to go like dab up the best player on another team. That's a, that's, that is a form of disarmament, right? Like LeBron's afraid that somebody's going to bring their best to him. So he wants to disarm them right away by being the friendly bro. Like, yeah, man, you know, like when Jordan went out there, he would stare you down. He wanted to kill you. Kobe Bryant, when he went out there, like wouldn't approach anybody before again, would approach nobody. And that's the biggest difference for me. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent on LeBron, but um, Shocker. I don't know. I, I think, I just think the whole, like, Drummond, and the thing, it's annoying to me because I can see it happening. DeRozan, Drummond, Whiteside. I mean, I can see it happening too, but because they have the pieces, and and truthfully, I don't know if that's a a good move for them. I think one of the Lakers' biggest strengths right now is they're actually pretty deep, and and I think they have a, a lot of like you know very good role players and 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 a lot of guys that that do a lot of things for them, and and. I don't know if if, – because I don't think Kuzma and, like, a Lakers first really moves the needle for DeRozan. I think it – What about Tucker Horton, right? That's what I mean. I think it'd have to be Kuzma, Tucker Horton, or Kuzma, Tucker Horton in a second. Something – which, which again, they're they're moving, I think, a lot of talent at that point. Like, you know, or, or, you know, and I I just don't know if if that makes a ton of sense for the Lakers. But, again, they're in win-now mode when you have LeBron. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're in win-now. But I I do think it, it stresses their lineup, too, because, again, like, you know, the depth, I think, is key, and depth helps you in the playoffs a lot. Um, but obviously, I mean, you get a guy like DeRozan with with his scoring ability and his shooting ability on a team with LeBron and AD, and I mean it. I mean, honestly, they could probably play three on five and win a ton of games. So, uh, I, I mean, I do agree that that that'd be a little unfair. Uh, Drummond, I mean, does he fit? I mean, I know he fits everywhere, but like, does he really fit? Like, I know he's just a rim protector and things like that, but I think he clogs the middle, and and that I don't think is is a good fit for Anthony Davis and LeBron because both those guys I think are at their best when they're attacking the rim. So I don't, I'm not sure if Drummond's a fit. I, I think DeRozan would be the best fit if they're looking to add somebody big. So, well, a couple other names I saw. One was Oladipo, was the guy oh, because God. he wants That'd to be, be moved. Scary. Um, another name uh, was Kelly Oubre. Yeah. Well, you know, and you know why those names are getting dropped, the Ubres and the Oladipos and the DeRozans, right? Because they also cover up like LeBron now won't with one of those guys won't have to guard the best perimeter player on the team. LeBron can vacate LeBron can vacation on defense, you know, because he's not about that life either. So he'll have DeRozan cover a guy like Steph Curry in the postseason. Or I'm just using that as an example. I don't know. No, I, I get what you mean. But, but, you, but you get what I'm saying. Like yeah. that player or Oladipo is a good defender. Great cool. defender. I think great. Yeah, he's a great yeah. defender. Yeah. Well, the name that really uh, stood out to me, and I wanted to get Nick's take on this because he talks about this guy a lot, is Kristaps Porzingis. The Mavericks are in free fall mode. 
And he fits perfectly with LeBron as being a shooter and he's seven feet tall. I just think it sense. I get, I get it. I think, I think Porzingis will get moved at some point. I don't think it'll be in season because if they move Porzingis in season, the message that sends to Luca is not good. And, and if I'm Dallas, I am in Luca appeasement mode to the fullest. Like let's ride it out this year and figure out what we can do in the off season to put some pieces around you. But getting rid of Porzingis right now hurts them. And Dallas is playing a lot better than they were at the beginning of the season. I don't know. I think Porzingis gets a big package if he gets traded personally. So I think I keep – He can't stay healthy. He's not a bad player. He can't stay healthy. No, I know, but I I still think a team has to give up a lot. Like I know I saw a rumor of a a, a Celtics trade where they give up Kemba, two first, Grant Williams. Like, I mean, a lot. And and Kemba's not a lot, but – I no, I know, but but I think the whole package is a lot. You know, like again, like I think they'd have to give up Kuzma, Horton, Tucker, a first, probably two firsts, and that maybe gets it done, which isn't more than DeRozan, a lot more. But I don't know. I think personally, I do think Chris Porzingis fits, but he, like because he's a shooter and he's seven foot. But I honest, I mean, I think DeRozan or, or Oladipo or another wing guy is yeah. the best fit because I think you've got Anthony Davis and you're big. You've got LeBron and your point guard essentially. So, you know, get a wing guy who can defend and take the pressure off of LeBron. And then, you know, I mean, I, honestly, I think it's an easy walk at that point. From established vets to incoming class. Again, I hate to say this is kind of like a Nick show because I'm throwing this one to him. But Nick did say that potential number one overall pick, Jalen Green, in his mind, is the next Kobe Bryant. And I was like, wow. I mean, that's a huge statement. And I wanted to see what makes you feel that way. Yeah, so let me clarify a little bit here. Well, first of all, I want to add the caveat that I told you to watch the game the other night or the other day during the afternoon if you had a chance. And uh, right on cue, Green had an absolute stinker of a performance in that game. So it was great to see uh, after I make that sort of statement. But I just I'm not saying that he's the next Kobe Bryant. I'm just saying I see a lot of Kobe Bryant in him. Actually, during the game. Richard Jefferson made the comparison on Jalen Green that he was very much reminded him of Tracy McGrady. And I thought that that was probably a lot more fair. The thing I like about Jalen Green's game is one, his, his attitude. When Richard Jefferson brought that up to him about him being like a Tracy McGrady or the mold of a Kobe Bryant, he said, I don't want to be those guys. He goes, I just want to be Jalen. He's like, well, they all say that though. Well, they don't all say that. They say, you know, you have some that are like, oh, you know, like that's who I aspire to be. This is who I looked up to. They're a role model, that kind of thing. Like he didn't have any of that. And one of the knocks on him is his handle. It was an early knock on Kobe Bryant early on in his career. If you remember like Kobe's draft report and stuff like that, like he wasn't, he had the tendency to stay on one side dribbling the basketball, right? Like he, you knew Kobe was always going to go right. So to me that I look at that as, as very similar. The other thing too is, one of the knocks on him was, you know, Jalen doesn't Jalen doesn't finish well at the basket. A lot of times he'll opt out for like a, 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 a you know mid range jumper, a fadeaway jumper. I mean, who does that sound like? That's that's T Mac or Kobe to the T, right? They weren't always taking it to the rack. They were in the post, hitting fadeaways, driving to the lane, pulling up. I mean, T Mac was known for the pull up, right? So I think. I don't know. Like I just watched the kid play and I'm really excited about him. And there's a lot to be, there's a lot of guys to be excited about, I think in this upcoming draft class, but like, he's one of those ones that like, he caught my attention. Somebody pointed me towards his YouTube videos and I followed him now uh, pretty much seen every game highlight that he's been a part of and watched some live games, obviously. And he just, there's something about the kid. I, I, it, it's tough to put my finger on it, but there's just something about watching him play. He's exciting to watch. I mean, he was the number one player in high school, you know, like, and so, I mean, that you're obviously not far off or wrong. I mean, he clearly has a ton of talent. And, you know, we talked about him. God, it was when Jesse was still on because, you know, I, I remember the three of us speaking about it when he decided to go to the G League and, and skip college. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we talked about that and, and the ripple effect it might have on the NCAA and things like that, especially if, you know, he performs well and, and ends up being still a top three pick and things like that, which it looks like he will. And, um, I mean – uh, we talked about it then his talent and his scoring ability is, is off the charts. You know, obviously he's a, he's a, a deadly scorer and, and he has that, that what, what we've mentioned before that step on your neck kind of killer mentality, which, right. which I agree. I can see, I guess a little Kobe in there. I think the better choice of words would have been his playing style resembles these players, not yeah, he's yeah. the next one. Uh, yeah. Because I, I don't know if I see, 
like true greatness in him yet. Now, obviously, uh, he very well could be, but I still think he's very raw and and has a lot of room to grow. Um, but but like from from watching his game, like I'd rather have a, a Kate Cunningham personally in this draft, which which it's no knock on Jim O'Green. I think just Cunningham's just absolutely. I mean, I think he's a, a gem of a gem. But like you know, so I don't. It'd be tough to now. Kobe got picked what? 13? 13. 13. So, 13. so you know, that's again, that's not to say that Jamel could turn into this because he could yeah. very well easily do all these things. But yeah, I mean, he's got the playing style, he's got the mentality. You know, obviously, he just needs the work ethic and to put it all together. I think, which is the hardest part, in my opinion. For me, watching him play, and because there's a we say, you know, oh, maybe we shouldn't be saying he's the next Kobe. I mean, I said Kobe was the next Jordan when he was 17. You know, so I understand that <laughs> right, inclination right. to say it. But there is something about because I love to watch guys and really try to pick it out what I like about their game and the way that they play yeah, yeah. and their style. And Kobe Bryant had a lot of similarities the way he played the game as Michael Jordan. And the biggest similarity to me was something that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. And it wasn't that killer instinct. Because I think when you're 17, it's tough to see that. It was almost like an arrogance that he had on the court. Like he was better than everybody else he was on the floor with. Mm -hmm. And, And you believed it. Like you watched him play and you believed what he was exuding. Yep. Green doesn't have that to me. And that's why I think Tracy McGrady is a better comp. Because Tracy always kind of played like he was... Very smooth, Swap but he eight. almost seemed he was yeah. Yeah, kind of like dogging a little bit. And I'm not saying he was, but that just came across like he just wasn't yeah, playing yeah, 100%. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And so for me, watching as much that once you told me, you know, he felt he was the next Kobe, I don't know how many hours I watched of tape of this kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'll tell you who, who my he comp is for smooth, him. though. God, like, my comp for him, watching him, and I'm saying like 18 for 18, right? 18 year olds for 18 year olds, is uh, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, that's what he plays like to me. He's. Andrew Wiggins attacked the rim. He was above the rim. He could shoot, but he, you know, he was uber athletic, you know, behind the back dunks, between the leg dunks. Um, and watching him play, you thought this guy is going to be a star at the next level, but he was just missing that swagger. He was missing that, like, oh, he's better than everybody on the floor. It, yeah, he was yeah, amazingly yeah. athletic, but he just didn't come across. And so when I watch Green, I see a lot of Andrew Wiggins in, in his game. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I guess think he shoots better. I think I think he shoots better than Wiggins. I also think yeah. that the thing with the thing with Green too is, see, I see a lot of that tenacity. Like he always wants the ball. Like the like because he also is sharing with another guy who's a potential top three, if not top five pick, with Jonathan Kuminga, right? Like he's he's literally on this ignite team sharing the ball with a guy like that. But it, that doesn't stop him from wanting it. Like I saw situations where, you know, Kamega put up a whack shot and he was, you know, like, what the hell, man? You know what I mean? And I realize that's not necessarily something that all people want to see, but I want to see that. I want to see that from a guy. I want to see a guy be like, that was a stupid shot. And if you're going to take dumb shots, I have a better chance to make them. We will have to definitely get, um, what was the name of the scout, Wayne? Uh, the- Scott Brown. Scott Brown, but we're going to have to get him on this year because this draft is loaded. It is loaded. This is is going to be a special, special draft. I think it's like it's going to be you have a you have a franchise player potential in the top ten picks. I think easy. Like this, this this is a chance to have like an 03 draft where it's got like five Hall of Famers in it. Like this, this draft is going to be crazy special. Um, and and I would love to have him on there. I love his take and and things like. I think you would like him too a lot, Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was super super uh, like educated. I, again, I liked his take on like um, the way he evaluated prospects. Now, so I was saying, we, you brought it up, Nick, that he had played in the G League instead of college, or Sully brought it up. But yeah. you guys were talking about it. What do you think about that decision? I know we talked about it when he did it, and me and yeah. Sully, obviously, because we hate the NCAA so much, you know. <laughs> We, we would recommend anywhere. We'd recommend your men's basketball league over the NCAA. Do it, but, kids. Don't go to the NCAA. Yeah. But I'm curious. You're taking, you said the G League, you really like it. And I know they obviously have some NBA you know, coaches there, like Brian Shaw is yeah. a phenomenal coach. Um, but why would you take uh, – I like Europe better personally because I feel like it's more fundamental. And a lot of these kids aren't taught the fundamentals at AAU in the high school level. So kind of getting over to Europe and learning the passing game I think is really beneficial for them. But you think you prefer the G League over Europe or – yeah, I mean, I just think the fundamentals don't even translate necessarily as much. I like the G League because you get a lot of former players. You get a lot of guys with league experience. I mean, Jared Jack's on that Ignite team, right? Like Jared Jack, I mean, he's got plenty of NBA experience. You've got guys like Jeremy Lin playing. I mean, the, the, those are the sort of guys, Amir Johnson. 
you can learn stuff. These young men can learn stuff from these guys. And these guys weren't bad NBA players by any stretch of the imagination, right? Like they were solid pros. So I think like, I, and topping on the cake here, they get paid, right? Like these kids are making some, uh, a little bit of money in their pocket as well, which I think is great. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not bashing NCAA. I love college basketball. I'm in North Carolina. I can't not like it. Um, so I just think, you know, I think a guy like Jalen Green making that decision over like going to Europe or going to college, I think that that shows his tenacity because he's like, I want to, I want to take it to these guys who have NBA experience already. And I think anybody who makes that decision is also making it with that in mind. That's my opinion. I agree with you. I, I mean, personally, I don't like the, I don't like the route of the NCAA. If I was a player and I have the ability to choose where I want to go, I'm the number one college athlete in, in sports for basketball. I'm going to go to where it's going to, best prepare me to play at the next level. And I think that's the G League, in my opinion. I think the G League, you're going to play against, like you mentioned, you're going to play against former NBA talent, and you're going to be under the coaching of current or former NBA coaches. I mean, uh, you're going to probably have an NBA training regimen, an NBA like schedule, and things like that. And it really it prepares you for not just life as a basketball player, but life as a, as like outside of basketball and things like that. Because again, it, it's probably the same scheduling and, and things like that, where you got to come in, do the same meetings, film, all that stuff, which I understand you get in college as well, but you have a ton of outside distraction in college that, you know, that I think G league would, would kind of cut out. Um, also the, to the Europe point, could you imagine anything worse than being, a 17 year old superstar in America and going over to a country where they don't speak your language. Nobody knows who you are. You're not the biggest star. You're probably not even at that point, the best player on your team. You may be depending on who you are. I personally think that would be miserable. I don't think any 17 year old would sign up for that. It's not like a Europe vacation and things like that. So I think they, they keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean, I know Brandon Jennings went to China, I think, and played, and he averaged like two and a half points per game after being like the second or third best high school player in the country. And so I think it's almost a wake-up call, though, because I've always felt like the best place to learn to play NBA basketball is in the NBA. And that's why I was always fine with like Kobe, T-Mac, Dwight Howard, those guys going straight pro, because they're learning to play the pro game from the pros. Um you know, Europe, I think it's kind of that same wake-up call. Like you said, you're the best high school player. You're averaging 30 points per game against other high school players. Now, all of a sudden, you're playing against grown men. You're like, uh-oh, I'm averaging six points per game. Maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. Oh, that's happening in the G League, too, though, now. Yeah, and, and, and uh, the, to be fair, I'm, the issue that, again, I think this is more of a mentality standpoint from the kid that he's going over there and, and probably thinking, oh, these guys are just shunning me because I'm not – Greek or wherever they are, you know, whatever, wherever he decides to play in Europe and things like that, you know, and these are things a 17 year old's going to think, and he's got no friends he can hang out with there. And, and th like that's going to play into their, their head. I just mean, as a 17 year old making that decision, I'm not saying Europe isn't probably a good fundamental place for him to go and, and learn that side of the game. I'm saying he's a 17 year old making that decision. I think Europe would be like the last of the three personally. In NFL news, we have, the big story, J.J. Watt goes to the Arizona oh, Cardinals. End a show with the NFL. <laughs> no, no, we're ending the show with the uh, – No, I know, but, I mean, it's 45 minutes into the show, and we're just bringing up the – we talked about women's oh, sports yeah. before the <laughs> NFL. Um, but, yeah, so J.J. Watt, you know, when he said that he was getting offers in the 15 to $16 million range, I thought he meant cumulatively over two or three years, not 15 or $16 million a year. But he gets $31 million over two years from Arizona, and I'm surprised how much they paid him. But I'm also surprised that he picked Arizona when he probably could have gone to, you know, a Tampa Bay or a Kansas City or, or, or Los Angeles, somewhere like that. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised he got paid $16 million. I mean, he was eighth in the league in pass rush win rate, and he was sixth in the league in run stop win rate, and he was one of only two players to be in the top ten in both. The other one was Chase Young. Uh, he was also the number one double-teamed edge defender in the entire league. So, I mean, he, I think, performed extremely well. Honestly, he, I mean, he only had five and a half sacks, I think it was. So I get he didn't have a lot of, like, a, a lot of, like, sack numbers. But, again, I think, like, people don't understand, like, really what it means to be a good edge defender and to be a good pass rusher. It's really not all about just getting sacks. Um, like I said, the win rate is extremely important. Uh, and that's really, truly what defines, I think, a good pass rusher. Uh, also... 
I don't know. I think this Cardinals team, we, me and you really were on this Cardinals team hard. We may have just been a year off, you know, I mean, with DeAndre Hopkins going there, Isaiah Simmons developing as, as a, as a better player, he looked pretty rough at the early start of the season, but looks better later on. They got money to spend in free agency. Chandler Jones and JJ Watt. I don't care. That's scary, dude. I mean, that's legitimate. Scary as a pass rush tandem. I think they're building something there. I mean, obviously, they're. I still think they're a little ways away. They got to protect Kyler Murray somehow, and they need to get better on on the secondary. Their secondary is. I mean, whew, that's atrocious. But I mean, they they're building at this point. And and JJ Watt came out and said in an interview that he contacted Kyler Murray personally and said, "Hey, look, I'm coming here because of you." You're the reason I signed with the Arizona Cardinals. I believe in you. Um, he, literally, word for word, that's what he said in an interview. So, I mean, I think that's really what it came down to. I think he just believes in Kyler Murray and think Kyler Murray is has it to be a winner, I guess. I mean, I think – I don't understand J.J. Watt's decision at all. He basically went to the Texans of the NFC. I, I like that take. It wasn't mine, but he, he definitely went to the Texans of the NFC. I don't disagree with that. I think they have a better coach, but – um, it's basically the same offense, same, <laughs> offense, same, same offense and same defense. Um, Ooh, Chandler Jones is not nobody like Chandler Jones is on the Texans, but I, I digress. Go on. So, uh, yeah, my, my whole thing is I have no idea. I think at best they're the third best team in the division at best. And that depends on San Francisco's quarterback situation. People forget San Francisco was decimated by injuries more than any team in football this year. And they're a good squad um, and they'll be back. So uh, that defense is really good. When healthy. Um, I, yeah, I don't understand. The, the rumor was he was really close with Buffalo. That made a lot more sense to me. Uh, him going to a place like Buffalo. I mean, you say you believe in Kyler Murray. It's like I mean, Kyler Murray, Kyler, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, take your pick. Uh, it, it, very, very similar to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't understand the move at all. He says he wants to win. <laughs> You're not doing that in Arizona. I, I don't know. I'm curious how it affects Russell Wilson because I know that he wants to be protected better. And you've got Nick Bosa and Aaron Donald and Chandler Jones, and now you just added JJ Watt. The guys were coming after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, Chandler Jones, who's actually really good friends with Russell Wilson, um, tweeted out and he goes, "Uh, Damn, Russ, I'm sorry, boy. And then, uh, you know, hit him with the hat. Uh, Because, yeah, I mean, we don't know. I mean, truthfully, we don't know. We think Arizona is going to be the third worst team. If Seattle goes in rebuild mode and trades away everything and gets, you know, multiple firsts for Russ and doesn't get a quarterback and decides to go with a quarterback in the in the first round, they're not going to be better than Arizona, in my opinion. Um, and then obviously San Francisco, again, it de- a lot depends on their quarter. Here's my I think outside of St. Louis or Los Angeles. Um, which arguably I think is now the best team in that division. I, I mean, I don't. Even I, think, I think that I think they're the best yeah, team. I, I, think they are, I think they are the best team in that division. Oh, I think uh, they're the best team in the NFC. Okay, I think, well, I, I think Los Angeles is the best team in the NFC. I mean, the Bucks just won the the Super Bowl, so let's pump the brakes there, champ. Um, but uh, outside of that, nobody's really, and because of the questions in Seattle, nobody's really set at quarterback like Arizona is in that division. So I, I guess he's got a shot there. Los so. Angeles is. No, I know. That's why I said outside of Los Angeles, who's the best team in the division, nobody's yeah. really set. Like, like, because you know, because of the rumors of Russell Wilson, and you know, I love Kyler Murray. I know Wayne's a big fan of Kyler Murray. Quarterbacks traditionally and historically have a if they're going to excel and and go on that track, the third year is that year that they make the jump. There's a ton of history behind that. Um, so maybe he's going with that I, I, again. I don't think it was the ideal spot. But I also like the move because he didn't just team hop to somebody like Tampa or somebody like that. Now, I know that's his goal is to win, but I also think T.J. Watt like likes, I don't know, to build. And, you know, he t- stuffed it out for all those years in Houston. You know, maybe he's just coming somewhere to make his dynasty or his name known in Arizona. He also is able to unretire 99, which I think was pretty cool. He contacted uh, the player's, uh, I think, daughter – and was like, hey, do you mind if I wear the number? And she was like, no, like, you know, of course, that'd be that'd be an honor, blah, blah, blah. So he gets to keep 99. I think that's pretty yeah. cool. Well, that's good, good thing Michael Pittman didn't have that number. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And that historic number 99 for Arizona. We all remember that guy. No, yeah, we don't at all. But that's, <laughs> I, mean, I couldn't tell you who number 
fifty. I could, but who is number fifty-four <laughs> for Dallas? Dallas when, this, the, this year? Oh, it's retired. Who was number fifty-four? That's retired. Oh no, it's not. Uh, damn, what number was it? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, case I don't know. Going. Randy White isn't his number retired. Like, what number is Randy White? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't uh, mean he's not great. Like, you no, know. no, no, I know, I know. I'm not yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pat Tillman's retired. What what number is he? He was forty-two, right? Yeah, yeah I think. Yeah, I think forty. 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 Might have been thirty-eight. Yeah, it is forty. One hundred thirty-eight. <laughs> it's not 100% of a sports topic, but it has to do with me and Nick. And we got into a debate on our off the show thing about Garth Brooks, where Nick had said he was trash. And then even, even when I was talking with him later, and he was like, you know, he's a guy who doesn't even have a song that anybody knows. And I'm like, Friends in Little Places? Like, nobody. Every, it doesn't even matter if you like country music. You get drunk at a bar, you're going to sing that song. You know, it's like. I mean, I didn't know Ricky Hart, too. No. no. Shut up. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thing, though. Although I do, like, I do like Billy Ray Cyrus, but that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> of course you do. But yeah. you like I, told, <laughs> I told Nick that he had to listen to a song from the Fresh Horses album. It's the last track on the album called Ireland because my friend Steve, well, shout out Steve. What's up? Um, Steve, hey, yo, Steve. Yeah, he hates country music. I mean, hates, hates it. And one day we're just up in my room in high school, like listening to that soundtrack or the, the album and Ireland's the last track. And he starts listening. He goes, is this still the same album? And I was like, yeah, it's Garth Brooks. And he's like, oh, this is actually pretty good. And then I tried to get him to listen to other stuff. And he's like, no, F you. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to get Nick's take on the song Ireland because it is not a traditional country song. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, so I did listen to it. Um Ah, you, so the thing is, Wayne, like, I get it. I get the sentiment in the song is there. So for me, I'm a big Irish folk music. Actually, I can't even say that. My favorite Irish band is no longer together, actually. They're called the Wolf Tones, and they're more Irish rebel folk, if you will. Um, that's neither here nor there. But I like Irish music with a story, usually a story tied to history. Um, I just grew up with it. Like, my mom listened to that stuff. My dad listens to that stuff. You know, like, so... I grew up listening to a lot of that stuff. And so anytime I hear a song about Ireland, I'm expecting that. And for me, like the song was good, but it was super vague. It was hard for me to have like that sense of like, I don't know. Like it didn't sound like Garth Brooks to your friend's point. It did not seem like a Garth Brooks song, but it also didn't seem like a, I don't know, like a like a culturally Irish song either. It just is happened Garth to have that Irish. No, I don't even know. That's what I'm saying. But the thing is, here's the thing, Sully. So I looked it up afterwards, and like Ireland loves Garth Brooks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like massive. There, like there was like riots because he like canceled like a five show tour back in like 2005 or something like that. It was insane. Um, I would have never guessed that. So I, I guess they love them, and I, they also I like you too. So let's not judge yeah. their their style of music. Right? And I think that, like, uh, I think <laughs> I don't know. overall, I don't think it's a bad song, right? Like, I don't think it's a bad song at all. But like, I guess I'm more of like an Irish music snob in a sense. So it, it's tough for me to like classify it in that same genre because there's not there's too much vagueness to it. Like the Irish music, like, I listen. I've been to like three Dropkick Murphy shows. Yeah, see, that's great Irish music. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they cover all the top all the top Irish songs. They cover them. That was my first mosh pit, too. It was not a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I wasn't even looking for a rave review. I was just looking for, no, it's not trash. It doesn't suck. Yeah. No, it's not, it's not trash. That's the it's win. Not, it didn't suck. <laughs> no, it, it, didn't, it didn't suck. It, it, it wasn't bad. Um, I agree. I mean, if that's like the review I got for the show, I'd be pretty psyched. So. <laughs> it doesn't suck. Like, it doesn't yeah. suck. I'd be like, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, well, I don't think Garth Brooks sucks. I was just yeah. overall surprised that he was your, like, you, the person that you said you would, like, literally fangirl over if you met him in real life. So, I mean, I was just shocked, more shocked about that than anything. I think I'd fangirl uh, over a lot of people, though, to be fair. 
Well, that, and that's how we started off. As I was saying, like he's the only person yeah. I would ever be starstruck. Like Tom Cruise wouldn't starstruck me, and I love Tom Cruise. But I'd be like, yeah, cool, Tom Cruise. I'd love to talk to him. I'd love to ask him about acting. But I wouldn't be blown away. Whereas if I met Garth Brooks, I'd be speechless. I wouldn't know what to say. You're a fucking liar. The 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 excitement that would be inside of you, you'd literally your your stomach wouldn't even be able to contain it. You'd be sitting there half the time, and you'd be like, oh my god, I'm talking to Tom Cruise. Yeah. Like I know, like you would. Like even if you were having a normal conversation with you, watching. I know. Like even if you were having a normal, because I agree. Like I don't. I try to be like as normal and cool as I could because I'd want to have a normal conversation with them, and and like I'd want to like interact in a, in a normal way. At the same time, I'd still be like, Ugh. like like there are certain points where it probably burst through me, and and I don't even like Tom Cruise. I don't even like him one bit, and I'd still probably be like, holy shit, dude, this is pretty cool. Well. Speaking of, you said if uh, our fans said that we don't suck, that that would be good enough for you. Well, there are some fans who think that Nick sucks. And, you had a great idea before we started, which was eventually we have to have him read these things. Just because read I guess, these bad tweets. Because they're so great. Um, but I, I picked out a couple. If you're on YouTube, definitely comment on the YouTube videos because we're going to bring them up if they're really good. And some of these are pretty good. Um <laughs> So we'll go with one of the more lighthearted ones, I guess. This is from uh, He Got Jays 985, uh, who says, I can't front. This was the most hate I've ever seen. Please save this video. And this obviously, all these are in you know, response to the Zion take. Uh, oh, they're all, they're all <laughs> they all Zion. Are. They all are, yeah. And uh, so I know Sully, we're calling it a hater take as well. It, so it was a pure hater take, and it still is. Uh, anybody see uh, a couple games ago when uh, John Moran scored six points? Damn, when was the last time? Uh, and, they, and, they won, and they won by 49. I mean, he, he did do anything to, to help. Clearly, he didn't. They scored six yeah, points. Was was, uh, when was the last time Zion Williamson went one for nine and scored six points? Please tell me. When was the last show time Zion? Show me on a stat sheet when they were one for nine. When, when did Zion drop 44? What? When did Zion drop 44? February, I think. February oh, was He also has never, never dropped six and went one for nine shooting. Well, that's because he wouldn't know what winning by 50 is like. You know what I mean? He, he barely knows what winning is like. That's so. just, again, the <laughs> argument that Memphis isn't a bad team is a terrible one if they're winning games when John Moran can score six. Well, so speaking uh, to that. Like Houston. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So Mackenzie Stratton, she says, remind your boy that Ja is 0-5 against Zion. Well, the thing is, Mackenzie, I saw this one, actually. This was one of the ones I did see. And, you know, tell your girl Mackenzie she's wrong. He's 0-4. But also tell your girl Mackenzie that the reality of the situation is the NBA did everything it could last season when the bubble came around (laughs) to give Zion Williamson and the Pelicans a chance to make the play-in game. Did that everything they could. You sound like Jesse now. Didn't he they say that he had this take, right? It's, it's true, though. They literally did everything, and up until the, the COVID situation happened, Memphis was a playoff team. Like, by far, they were going to be the eighth seed. Then all of a sudden that happened. They did the whole playoff thing, the bubble. Jaron Jackson got hurt. That hurt Memphis, obviously, and they, and they dropped out of the play-in opportunity. But Memphis should have been a playoff team last year. They beat the Lakers twice. Well, Red Eye, and this was actually a nice take. Red Eye says – Ja will never be what Zion is, Nick P. Screw you and Ja. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Because, yeah, I, again, I love Ja, so I'm right. not going to take it away. I just I, – I, and, again, I'm only – when I say Ja went six – you know, scored six points on one for nine, it, it, it is with hurt because I love him. I actually think he is better than Zion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do I. I mean, that's. I, I mean, I'm, that doesn't even deserve a response, that, quite frankly. But <laughs> I mean, that, that, I, don't, I don't even have a response. Doesn't even deserve a superstar in this league, and will be, I think, a superstar in this league. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I guarantee you this. Tell you what. Who? What was that guy's name? That was a uh, red eye. Yeah. All right. Listen, red eye. I guarantee you. <laughs> I guarantee you, red eye. That that John Morant competes for two things before Zion does, and those two things are an NBA championship and an MVP. Ooh, I think Zion has a chance to win an MVP. You heard it. You heard it. Just because of the hype train. I I don't know. I think think you're wrong there because of the hype train Zion has. So James Smith Jr. had some of the most in-depth comments. He had two comments. The first one said, just because Ja plays point guard does not mean he's better. Neither Ja nor Zion is a threat behind the arc. Both play poor defense. 
but every game teams oh, sell out. Does this just James guy watch basketball? Well, because John John is he's literally the best defensive point guard in the NBA. So James, I don't know if I go that far, but he is very, very, very good. He is. Who would you take over him? Who would you take over him? Just off the top of your head. On defense, Chris Paul. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Chris Paul, come on, come I on, so, like, give me a, give me a Rondo, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. All right, so here's my point. Here's my point. You have to think about it. Yeah, it's it is arguably. I I will say he's very 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 very. He's so long. Ben Simmons, bam! Don't even have to think about it. Ben Simmons is the best defensive point guard in the NBA. I think you could, you could yeah. argue that. I would still take Jaw over Ben Simmons. My, well, my, my as a player, maybe not. I don't think defensively. I think defensively, that's that's pushing it. And but, Wayne, the three-point comment. We're really going to compare John Morant's poor start to to the to shooting the three this season to Zion's inability to hit anything outside twelve feet. I mean, come no, on. he's but they're, they're saying they both because I agree. I think that's right now that's Jaw's biggest knock in his game. When he starts hitting three pointers at a forty percent clip or even thirty eight, he's going to be unstoppable. When that, when that, when that's, you know it'll happen. Yeah, of course. We I think it'll happen. happen. I think he has the ability to do that. Zion will never, but <laughs> right. Zion <laughs> will also never defend. So That's... and uh James Smith also said because you had commented that Zion is almost like a player out of time. Like he belongs, you know, twenty years ago, not now. And he oh, said oh, not twenty years ago. Well, thirty years ago. He's a power forward, he's a classic power forward, like a Carl Malone type power forward. Yeah. Yeah, he's like Charles Barkley out of shape. But go ahead. But oh. so he says <laughs> Uh, he says Zion is dominating because of how far the NBA has gone the other way. Name one game you saw Zion kept in check. Zion is the better player. Who the hell is this guy making crap on Zion? Clown, big ass clown. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm glad, James. I'm glad that I could get under your skin and get all of your terrible takes that led up to that one. Tristan Thompson did lock him in the first half, but Zion did kind of bully Tristan Thompson, I think, a little bit at the end of that game when he put him back in. Uh, it was more Robert Williams than Tristan Thompson. I, I, well, the one specific play that that I, I, I'm surprised you didn't mention, one of the guy mentions that, yes, uh, who hit the game winner? Uh, Brandon Amy. But Zion Williamson set up the shot. So, I, I mean, there, there's a lot to do there with that. I, I know somebody commented that. I actually saw that in the Cash comment. Money. Yeah, Cash Money yeah. said that uh, Zion set it up. So, yeah, and I, I mean, watched the, that entire and I watched that entire game, and I literally watched Brendan Ingram hit three after three, hit shot after shot, hit ball, take take the ball to the rack that entire time down the stretch in that game. So, so you saw Zion scored thirty six for seventeen, eighteen shooting. <laughs> no, he did. No, Zion honestly, Zion's biggest contribution was he he got hot the second Tristan Thompson, the second Brad Stevens for whatever reason took Tristan Thompson off of him in that game and put uh, what's his name Williams on him and and. Zion just started taking away, and then that's when Ingram took over the game. Ingram took over the game at the end of the game, and that that's what stopped because Boston went on a smaller run after that, after they cut the lead down from like 17 to 6. Boston went on another run that put them up by like I think 9, and then Brent, Brennan Ingram just took over from that point. So Zion got his fill, and he's going to put up his numbers, but, I mean, he's not the go-to guy on that team. That I might not argue with, actually. I just bought the collar too, James. Well, uh, I mean, again, are you going to a power forward in crunch time? Like, uh, I don't know if that's – Never, 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 never. I don't know if that's the guy that you're choosing to take your last shot. So, yeah, I agree. Um, But – but I don't know. I, again, I love I love them both. So, And my thing is – and can I just clarify really quick, Wayne? I know we've been at this for a while. But let me just clarify. It's not so much that I hate Zion as much as I hate the ignorance around the hype. Right. Because you get a bunch of people who are just looking at the box scores, who are just looking at his dunk highlight videos and be like, whoa, this guy's a real deal. Blah, blah, blah. I've watched Zion play a lot, a lot more than most people, because when I talked to you about this already, I'm a big Brandon Ingram fan. I love Brandon. I call him KD light. You know, I love Brandon Ingram. So I like watching him play. I've seen every jaw game for the most part as a pro. And I also Lamelo is my is my dude. So even though he's a ball, um, but he's I'm not, just saying he's not a shitty ball, though. No, no, he's, no, he's not. He I, seems I'm just saying, you can't watch Zion play and be like, okay, you know, he's a stat filler. Mm, that, see, I don't think he is. That's the thing. I don't watch him and see just a stat filler, though. I agree. I, I, I think he's – I mean, I, I agree. I don't think he'll ever be a guy that 
Like, I don't think he's ever going to be Anthony Davis or no, he's never, no, he's no, never no, going to no. be Tim Duncan or anything no. like that. But I think no. he's going to be better than Blake Griffin um, mm. I, or something like that. So, like, like I don't know. Like, I see a, a, a guy that, that can, can contribute and can be a, a very dominating force in this league, but maybe not necessarily one that's going to tip the scales, I guess, which I, which I don't like. You know, if that's your take, okay, I'll agree with that. But, I mean – I do well, think he'll you were- tip the scale. He'll tip the scale. All right. Scale. I can hear the scale. I can hear the scale from here saying, "Please help! It's so heavy. Get off!" <laughs> Please help. <laughs> you know, like I can hear well, it from here. I think it'll be crazy if he does the exact opposite and does the Julius Randall route. Remember, Julius Randall just came back shredded after like one off season. Yeah. He just yeah, that's, not gonna, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. For Julius Randle's having – I mean, I can't believe we haven't talked about him on the show. I mean, he's had – I mean, he's – without even the season being a quarter of the way over, he's comeback player of the year, and I don't even think he went anywhere. You know he's what I mean? Like, he's like 6'10", 6'11", you know, and he was never like, I don't know, 30 pounds overweight. Yes, he was. He was, I'm like he was 30 pounds overweight. He was. Um, he was and, heavy as Zion. No, I mean he was because he was. I don't think he ever was two eighty five. I don't think he was ever. I do. I do. But I mean, I'm a big Julius Randle fan too, though. So I mean, I think he's a double double machine. Um, I mean, he has been throughout his career. Now he's just turned into an actual, I think, force, and it's fun to watch, honestly. Well, bring me all your smoke. Bring me all the smoke in the comment section. Uh, I'll eat it up. I'm like Pac Man. Gobble that. (laughs) Bring me all the smoke that you want in the comment section. I love it. So that is the show, and definitely do comment, uh, like, subscribe, click at the bottom here. Uh, visit us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Infinity Sports Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Infinity Sports Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at Sports Infinity Five. I definitely recommend, at the very least, following us on Facebook because, like I said, we put out memes all the time and turn into giant debates across a bunch of different platforms. If you prefer to listen to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. And I know some people do prefer to listen for an hour rather than watch for an hour. So if this is the only segment that you're watching, you can listen to the whole show so you don't have to sit and watch the whole thing. But if you want to, that's also cool, too. We like that. Just say we don't <laughs> Except for Nick. Except for Nick. <laughs> he sucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm the worst, I guess. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, Kenny, where are we at with the show? 